Happy holidays, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, and deadites. What you're about to hear is a clip from our latest installment of The Rental, which sees your Halloween celebrating a very Shane Black Christmas by running through 1987's Dick Donner holiday hit, Lethal Weapon. So how do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash Pod. Hope to see you there so we can give you one more scare. You just mentioned Buddy Cop, and that was my natural seg here because this isn't the first Buddy Cop movie. In fact, if you think about it, the Buddy Cop formula had pretty much almost been tired by then because it's 87. Miami Vice is already out. It's already three seasons in for Miami Vice. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kicking this over to Vanderbilt, as you just mentioned, Justo, because I feel like you are the bunny, Buddy Cop connoisseur here, having loved... You like Beverly Hills Cop one over two, right? You're not the crazy person. I know. Like I like two over. The All first right. So one. you and Man, Randall you can and, and, you and oh Randall God, can go live on a it. fucking but island together. To like, be, that's fucking to crazy. To be fair, they <laughs> sit on a they sit on a level. But actually, uh, you know what? Let me get to that. Hang okay. on. <laughs> go 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 uh, go wild. Go so mad Mel uh, on it. Let's talk about the history of the Buddy Cop film. Now I'm sure. But no, because our listeners are the best. Nobody's going to come at me. But like, because I'm sure there's movies that we can look at prior to the '70s that maybe inspire the buddy cop comedy, but the buddy cop film, as we know it can be traced to 1974 is Bustin directed by Peter Iams. Uh, oh, which, coincidence. Uh, yeah. Which two vice cops, Elliot Gould and, you know, Robert Blake uh, use unorthodox methods to take down the bad guys. And that same year we had freebie and a bean with James Conn and Alan Arkin as uh, I just say something real quick. Absolutely. It's funny that for a podcast that's going to be dedicated a lot to Mel Gibson. Somehow Robert Blake, more problematic. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, an actual uh, murderer. But... Damn. Savage. <laughs> but oh, I think, I, I'm sure there's something, like, I mean, I guess maybe you could look back to Abbott and Costello stuff, or there's some mm. movies from the 40s or something, but I think that's really ground zero for the Buddy Cop comedy, but I think the Buddy Cop film can trace back even more so to Neil Simon's The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Because the best mm. buddy cop comedies always feature coppers that are mismatched. Yeah. Yep. So fast forward to 1982, Justin, uh, the aforementioned 48 Hours, Huge. which is not technically a buddy cop film because uh, one's a criminal. That's true. But it kind of nails down the formula. And then Beverly Hills Cop, the original, streamlines it in 1984. The cops are at odds, but they're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Now, Hyams returns to the genre he helped create for 1986's Running Scared, which quintessential Chicago movie. Yeah, my my dad loves this fucking Still movie. Haven't seen it. The, dir- all the dirty snow, like we were talking off uh, Mike <laughs> about how Ugh. you know if you were gonna, if I was going to sh- make a Christmas movie, the opening credits would be set to Christmas <laughs> Baby, Please Come Home. If it was set in Chicago, rather, and it would just be gray and dreary, no snow. Barely any lights because that's what Christmas looks like in Chicago. And running you know, scared, you'd have, Ken, Mike. You'd have the uh, the snow that's been packed up against the curbs. Oh god, that's like running black, scared. White, like you can, if you look close enough, you can see that it's all just garbage within it. You know, yeah. There's like surge cans and stuff. And <laughs> running scared captures it. Also, uh, uh, the Thompson Center uh, first appearance in film, possibly the only appearance of film of the Thompson Center, which had <laughs> well, just been built. Mercifully, one of the ugliest buildings in Chicago. That's before. right around the block from where I work. One of the um, worst food courts in America, by the way. I would go there all the time. That, that's and a blue I would, thing, right? We would go all the time, and I would feel like absolute garbage the next four hours of my work. 
after going there. That's where, they, the, the, that's the, where the DMV used to be, right? Or is it still there? Yeah, yeah that, they, that they, place they sucks. To, they moved it across. When they, I was even like, the DMV was like, fuck this place. Yeah, yeah. no wonder. When I was clerking, uh, you know, doing like the paralegal thing or like the accounting thing, like I'd have to go to the Thompson Center every once in a while and it was a fucking mess getting in and a mess getting out. But so yeah, I'm running scared. But I think Lethal Weapon, which comes out the following year, 1987, kind of per perfects the formula but they miss one thing if mm. you look at the, the classic what are the class all right here's a question what are the classic tropes of the buddy cop subgenre okay I, let me start I'll, I'll do one tenant first so we can go okay. maybe round robin meet your new partner mm -hmm. you have the oscar and felix dynamic for sure i mean right. which is the straight lace guy and then the you know the sort of unpredictable chaotic guy the wild uh, card oh, the, wild oh, card. oh the, the inevitable moment where they like have dinner with someone's family and they all come together. That's true. And uh, the humanizing moment. But like the one thing that uh, Lethal Weapon doesn't have, despite I, the, I do feel it to be quintessential as far as the buddy cap subgenre goes, it doesn't have the captain that they're at odds at. Well, eventually they eventually do. Eventually they do. The, the, the captain in this movie becomes a bigger role yeah. right. in the future ones He's, and there is more of a what are you guys doing yeah Th that definitely starts to happen by the hey, second you one. guys guess what you made lieutenant uh yeah, yeah which i think it's <laughs> I, I think it's so, so you two jokers are going to top, you two characters are going to top gun is it, he's the donner yeah. regular too he's like in yeah. every one of donner's movies I, in fact yeah, for the long yeah. as a kid i used to think it was richard donner <laughs> I'd be like, oh, he's a cameo in his own movies. Like, Alfred Hitchcock. We school together. But we'll yeah, that's kind of yeah. like how in Short Circuit, the main uh, nerdy scientist, not Fisher Stevens, uh, mm -hmm. I always thought that was John Badham. I just associated. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that's, what, that's what John Badham looks like because yeah. he's the director of this film. Funny, I thought but, that John Badham was the, the kid with the banjo in Deliverance when I first saw it. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, oh, that's John Borman, so the joke's ruined anyway. But anyway. Yeah, good oh, well, job, John. Stick with it. But, let's, let's say it. Let's say what it was. One of the, the the other tenant that this one really nails, which becomes parody afterwards, is the score, which we'll oh, talk about well, later. Oh, yeah. But yes. those guitar and saxophone stings after every joke. Mm. Oh, I yeah. mean, that, yeah. that when people make fun of the buddy cop comedy, which is still, you know, parodied by hacky comedians, that's one of the things they go for. So it's just happenstance and, and serendipitous that I watched, I revisited Dirty Harry. Um, last week mm. I, I just oh, yeah. put it on and it's mostly because cinema speculation the quentin tarantino book and i was like ah, i really want to rewatch rewatch this movie and rewatching it only a week before lethal and then watching lethal then i was like oh there, there, there's absolutely connective tissue here and then i you know read that it was actually Gene black wanted to do a dirty hairy thing so i was like oh that makes sense but the thing i noticed is that when you think about it this movie feels like a 70s film with with 80s pastiche uh, uh like like wrapped all in it and there's a there's a literally a scene that's in this movie in which it's when roger first comes into uh lapd and he's talking to uh i believe maybe his former partner or one of his colleagues and he's like oh well, um you know what's going on he's like oh you know last night i just cried myself alone and he's like oh are you with mm. a woman and he's like no you know and he's like oh it sounds like an 80s man to me and like that to me mm -hmm. feels like Okay, this is uh, this is your dad's '70s cop drama in this decade, and the men are going to actually be bruised men, and not like because you would never see Detective Callahan contemplating it, suicide. suicide. <laughs> yeah, this is never going to happen. It, well, it, that's it, the thing, right? Yeah, you know, it's kind of like Murtaugh's from that '70s gen, right? Yeah. And then you have Riggs, and it's you know you, you, we don't 
see it like that. Cause you know, it's like, we're not, we're not coming up in that era, but I'm sure that's absolutely what it was. You know, that was one of the, uh, the, the, the things that were keeping them at odds was the, yeah. the, the difference in the, yeah. To that point, Mac, like everybody served in Vietnam, every mm-hmm. character served in Vietnam. Oh, it's all, this is an echo. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, which honestly is pretty much a, just a, I mean, it's just emblematic of the era that it's in. Well, it damaged America of, and it yeah. damaged a lot of men. 